Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. We are now live. Um, it is now, it should, you know, it takes a second or two to turn over. But I'm super excited. I'm super, super excited um, because it is now season three. We are launching season three of the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. We've had two successful seasons and um, season three is a really, really special one. And we have a very special guest opening up the show and the dialogue for us. So I'm super excited and super humbled um, to be here with all of you guys. Alaikum salam. Um, please just greet, you know, like I said, we're back, you guys, season three. Welcome, I'm your host. Hey, Yasmin. I think she's saying hey to the both of us, Drea. Um, <laughs> yeah, so my comments, yeah, they, they come up on my side, but they're coming up on the shot. Hey, you guys. Hey, she said yes, green. Yasmin said yes, green. Let me put it up for you. That's right. That's right. She repped in. Um, so welcome to the Dope Muslim Woman Podcast, season three, the official launch of this um, amazing season. And welcome to series one, which is on forgiveness and redemption. And we're starting at a very um, deep and um, beautiful place. And I'm extremely humbled because I am here with someone that I just didn't want to start this season without this particular guest that I'm about to introduce because she's just a critical, critical part of my own personal healing process and even how I got to this point of wanting to discuss forgiveness and redemption. And we'll chat about that in a minute, but I wanted to introduce our guests. Hey, you guys, Assalamualaikum, everybody. Um, I don't know where to begin. You guys know I've, you guys know I'm super obsessed, but I think I share her every day, but, um, <laughs> but I'm gonna officially introduce her. Um, she is a singer and a songwriter. She's been making an in impact for as an independent artist for years. Um, she's worked with Grammy winning producer and winning, um, Grammy winning producer and writer, Greg Curtis. Um, she's also done special a special Marvin Gaye cover on ABC World News. Um, but she's an activist out there in Buffalo. She's recently known for her recent record release of Mama Please. Everybody should go and um, support her with this. I know it's streaming on all platforms. Um, and Mama Please is a painfully beautiful dedication to the living legacy of um, Carol Horn. And it pushes a national call to action of Carol's Law. And hopefully Drea can speak a little bit about that before she gets off. But um, that was just launched and released. I shared a little bit of that on my story. But I'm humbled to be here with Drea Moore. Salam, sis, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Salam. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Gosh, thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, um, I've shared so much of your music. It is um, so healing. I kind of, a lot of times I start my mornings with it. Um, you don't know the impact that you've had on just my own personal journey of growth and trying to get past a lot of painful experiences and try to be at this place of true forgiveness of self um, and forgiveness of others. So I honor and salute you, sis, for being here and being such a critical part of my own personal journey. <laughs> I mean, it's the world to me, you know, when you make um, music, like a lot of the music that I make is really for me first, you know, and so when I share it, I'm always like, I hope that somebody gets it, you know, yeah. um, and I know what the music does for me. So to hear you say that is really affirming for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. 
And again, thank you to everybody, to everybody who's here and supporting the uh, Football Woman podcast. It takes a lot to create this content. It takes a lot for me to even come back. And you guys saw my journey season two. I went through a lot. I shared pieces of, you know, my divorce and loss and heartbreak and, um, you know, to kind of try to birth a new season um, in a new place is, is, is very difficult for me, but I'm truly blessed to be here. It's just a confirmation of God's mercy. So thank you guys for being here. Um, I wanted to um, give honor to Drea. I'm going to allow her to have the face. She's going to open our show up. Um, and I'm going to let her do some ad lib of the song, but I just wanted to share personally what Come to the Hills means to me. This episode is called Come to the Hills of Forgiveness. And um, this particular song, um, I, I always personally viewed it as a prayer, but um, it's a prayer essentially to God. And one of the things that really touched me is this aspect of, is your heart pure? It's something that rings in my heart and soul as I kind of pray to God and I, and I, I kind of seek this forgiveness of self and I seek this forgiveness from God, is this intention of having purity of my heart. And so it just touches me to like this part of me. So I'm just going to let Drea take over for a minute. I'm actually going to extract myself from the screen and give honor to you, sis, as you open up our show. So again, thank you for being here. And I hope you guys enjoy. Make me whole. 
Thank you so much. Um, absolutely beautiful. Thank you for honoring us with your voice and sharing a piece of us, um, sharing a piece of you with us. I really appreciate it. It all it gets me every time. Um, so since I wanted to just just start here with this powerful song, "Come to the Hills," um, I want to better understand it. I want the audience to better understand it because um, I know it's helped me through some of the toughest times in my life. Can you share with us just the story behind the song, the inspiration behind the song? Yes. Um, so this song really um, was inspired by a scripture 
in the Bible, and um, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah. I can't think of uh, the exact verse right now, but um, much of my upbringing really is, is in the church. And um, I think my aesthetic as an artist really is, is worship. So um, I don't think worship is like a genre of music. I do think that it is a lifestyle, but if I had to pick a genre, I would say that it's, um, it's worship. And so what I learned growing up, I used to like study all these scriptures about like what pleases God, like what actually pleases God in terms of sacrificial worship. Cause most of the old Testament is it talks about, uh, it presents worship in the context of sacrifice. And so you have to sacrifice something that is pure and there needs to be a shedding of blood in order for it to be um, to serve as a remission of sins and for God to accept it, it has to be pure. And so you would go to the priest and say, can you please do this for me? Like I, I need to get to God. And the priest will go and sacrifice like the firstborn lamb and then God would forgive you. But in Isaiah, God revealed to that the prophet, according to the Bible, that um, he didn't accept the worship anymore because there were people that were sacrificing all these animals, but their heart wasn't right. So mm-hmm. you're coming and you're, you're all wrapped up. You got the garb, you're wearing white, you didn't wash your hands, you did all this stuff, but your heart is not pure. So God told the people of Israel that I do not accept your worship. And so then when they would run out of lambs, they would go and grab whatever, including a bull. So when I say that, you know, go and grab your bulls and take them to another hill. That's just my way of, of, because I really feel like the, the second part of that song is God talking back to me. So it was like God saying, whatever you're, you're offering to me, whatever you're laying down before me on whatever altar, if your heart does not reflect this sacrifice or this, this ask of me, then I can't accept it. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that with us, Dre. I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, this episode is about forgiveness, right? And so I was listening to some of your your um, performances and you were talking about, um, you know, something that was weighing you down. You were mentioning like forgiveness of self, right? Forgiveness of self and how sometimes we really, you know, we, 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 we kind of carry that burden and the weight of not being able to forgive our own selves. You know, a lot of us, we carry the weight of our pain and our hurt, what we've been through and our experiences. I wanted to just ask you a little bit about your take on forgiveness, especially as a tool for heartbreak. Ooh, so um, yeah, I can't even talk about forgiving other people. Like that's like a that's over there for me. But like I feel like there's no discussion about forgiveness outside of like a a, a focus of self forgiveness as the root of that discussion. Because you can like you can think you forgave other people and you can work so hard to forgive other people, but if you don't forgive yourself, you can only offer um others what is actually inside of you so for me i had to just stop like why why do i feel so angry why am i holding grudges why am i holding on to things um why don't i have peace and honestly it was just coming from me not forgiving myself um 
even like some of the heartbreak that I've experienced, like I think for years I've I've blamed that on other people. Like you hurt me, you hurt me, you did this to me. And then at some point I started to look at myself and say, well, if I had not chose to put myself in a situation then I would have never got hurt. So then I started, I, I turned that pain and that anger like inward, you know, and it took me on such a deep um, journey, a dark journey. And it, it just seems endless, like trying to, trying to like figure out how to forgive myself for things, you know, and like, I'm still learning what that means and just learning how to um, give myself grace. And it's something um, I have to shout out my mom. Um, our relationship is like, it is a spiritual relationship, like my actual birth mother, you know? And so we don't talk every day, but like when I call my mom, it's like, we can be on the phone for 20 minutes and she's giving me, she'll say one sentence and it'll like carry me for like the next two months. And my mother told me, you know, would you like I'll say something like negative about myself or tell her that it's hard for me to forgive myself and she'll say if you were giving advice to somebody else would you say what you just said about yourself to them and I said I would never say that to anybody else you know and she's like well why do you say that to you to yourself why do you say that about yourself if you can offer grace to everybody else why can't you offer grace to yourself mm. and so that that that's where I'm at right now learning what it means to give Drea grace yeah, yeah. You know, Drea, <laughs> that's where I'm at too, right? So it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, we go through these things, right? We go through loss, we go through pain, we go through separation with other people and we figure and we try to figure out, like I said, how we, like you said, focus so much on how can we forgive the other person? I'll be, I'll feel better once I can forgive the other person, but then we're carrying the weight of, not forgiving ourselves. And that's something I really struggle with. Do you, have you in your journey of this, of just forgiveness of self, have you figured out some kind of um, techniques or strategies in reference to like, because to me, I'm like, how do you really do it? Like, how do you do it? Um, I really don't think there's like this one answer, right? Because I think that forgiveness is a journey. I don't look at forgiveness as a, a destination, even, um, like I would have to, the way I understand it is by looking at how I forgive other people. So I can forgive somebody and then like not, like I can remove myself from that person, but then when I see them or something else happens in somebody else's life that reminds me of that, then I'm right back to the same place. And then I find myself um, having to forgive that person all over again. And the same thing happens with me and myself. Like I'll be good. Like, okay, you know what, Dre, you were, you were in the dark, you were wandering in the darkness when you did that. And um, now you can see the light. So don't punish yourself for what happened in the dark. You know, now that you flick this light switch on, I know we got to clean up a whole bunch of stuff. We got to get it together. But the fact is that you're getting it together. So come on, like, let's do this. And I, and most of the time I'm like that, but then I just have my moments. And I think a lot of times it's when other people might say something to, to remind me of something that maybe I don't forget myself about then I go back all over again. So what I find for me, I think it's important to have a practice of, of, of joy um, on your journey to, to on, a, on your journey of forgiveness. And I learned that from my friend, um, my dear friend and sister, Naila Ansari. She, she taught me um, about like how we rehearse painful things. We rehearse it like, you know, like we're about to put on a show. And um, she said, and this is her phrases and her language that we need to learn how to choreograph 
practices of joy. And so um, I believe that these practices will carry us through um, these moments and help us to learn what it means to forgive ourselves. So for me, like me playing it, just even putting a, putting a piano in my place of business is a practice of joy for me because I can come here alone and I can just play. And honestly, this right here, me sitting here, this is where I first discovered God, even as a little girl, as a child, as a, as a teenager, I would be in my church when nobody was there. I would be at the piano for hours and hours and hours. So when y'all going live, like, I don't care if I have two viewers or a thousand viewers. I just don't care because really that's just me and God. And so for me, that is a practice of joy. That's how I pray. You know, like I'll be here playing. No words can come out. Sometimes all I can do is sit here and just cry or say, ooh, for, for 40 minutes. But that is how I cry out to God. That's how I, I get it out. You know, there's writing practices I do. I can't say every morning at five o'clock I write or every Thursday at eight o'clock to nine o'clock, I'm, I'm going to play the piano. No. But when you hear people talking about reciting affirmations, like Sarah says in her song forever, like that's real. Like you do have to look at yourself in the mirror and like tell yourself that you are worthy. Tell yourself that if God forgives me, you know, then who am I not to forgive me? If I can forgive you, why can't I forgive me? You know, and I literally just have conversations with myself and, um, yeah, so I would say to answer your question, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm taking a long way. Go Practices of joy, I'm still learning what that means. Thank you to Naila for introducing that to me. Um, and and just being more intentional about, about these practices, you know, is yeah. really been helping me. Yeah, for real, for real. Um, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um you know, we know that forgiveness, even forgiveness itself, it just doesn't happen overnight. It's a journey. It's a process. And when you did like comes to the hills and songs like that, it um, speaks to that journey. But it also speaks to the importance of that connection back to the creator. Right. And I was watching a live of yours. I watch all your lives on Instagram. If I'm, um, <laughs> and you said something so powerful. Um, you were saying that. It was such an emotional performance. You were very emotional on it. And I was just going through a pretty rough heartbreak. And I hadn't watched your live. And you were talking about just our connection to people, right? Mm -hmm. And how we connect ourselves to people. And then you were saying that, you know, sometimes it hurts so bad because we put people in a place where God's supposed to reside, right? The creator, the mm -hmm. most high. And you know, sis, I like, I was done for. I was like broke down after you said that because I'm like, it's so true. And God constantly, constantly, constantly reminds us of that. And it's such a mercy in the heartbreak sometimes, you know? Um, it's such a mercy in the heartbreak. Um, and, and even I speak on that as a Muslim woman that's divorced because I still believe in our community, there's a lot of shame around that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but you may not know the mercy and the blessing that God has on that woman, right? because he reminded her of who who is supposed to reside here, which is him. Can you speak a little bit about that, sis? Because that was, that was powerful. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Listen, when you talk about worship, right? I believe, and I have always believed this, although I struggle with the practice, I've always believed that we were created for worship. Mm -hmm. I do believe that. And I don't think that God needs our praise or our worship. God is whatever you call God, you know, is 
is God all by God's self. Right. Our worship doesn't make God any more than what God is. Mm -hmm. It's important to note. The worship that I believe we're supposed to practice as a lifestyle is really for us. It's actually for us. I'm going to tell you why. Um, we give the worship to God, but I mean, the practice of it is for us because I believe God knows like we were created as spirit um, and then we we exist in this flesh, right? But this flesh is fallible. This flesh um, wants what it wants when it wants. You know, this, this flesh can misguide us. This heart can misguide us. If we let certain things in our heart to occupy our hearts, like you said, um, it can it can cause us this heart heartbreak. So I believe that the according to the order of what God says, um, you know, that we should worship God. And I and I do reference the I just say this when I know I have a primarily Muslim audience. Like I was born and raised in the church. Yeah. A lot of my reference points, like that's my root. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. In the Bible, it says, I just hope that nobody's offended by that. And I hope that you can just receive truth because truth is truth, no matter where it comes from. But there's a scripture that says that you should worship the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And then the next commandment that's actually a commandment. The next one is great, like unto this, that you would love your neighbors as yourself. But first, it says to love God with all of your everything. Why? Because if we love somebody else, they're not God. So they're they're just not, I don't care if they if they are just on their best behavior. Um, they can, they don't have the ability to do, they don't have the capability to do what only God can do. They don't. So even if they called you all day, they text you all day, they, you know, married you, bought you flowers, did whatever, bought you land, houses, you know, and were kind to your children, gave you money, supported all your dreams and goals, there would still be some type of void. And it's not because you're ungrateful. It's because I believe God created us with just a little hole that only can be filled by God. So when you put that person first, right, you're, you, are, you are putting yourself on a path to heartbreak because anything that you get, that anything that you worship besides God becomes an idol and all idols will fall. And when those idols fall, it is going to cause you such a devastating heartbreak that you hope and pray that it will bring you back to God. Because for me, like I struggle with like suicidal thoughts. I've struggled with being in my bed for days and just not wanting to come out like in and in, in, in just wallowing and in, in immersing myself in the darkness. I have struggled with that so many times in my life. And it really is because of me putting other things before God. And so when those idols fell, it was devastating to me. And I think that God knows that. I think God knows that if we worship anything besides God, that it will it will fall and it will cause us such a heartache that we it, it, it may create such a big divide in our minds between us and God. And that's not the truth. That's only an illusion because God is closer to us than our regular vein. So it's not true when we feel far away from God, which is what I said in the first part of that song. But honestly, if we can just learn to just give God everything first. And then we seek God for everything. Should I do this job? Should I be with this person? Should I make this move? You know, how do I forgive? How do I like consult with God? Like we consult with everybody else, you know, just literally whatever it means to you to put God first. When we do that, I think that we create a protection, a hedge of protection for ourselves around mm -hmm. our hearts. And I think the only one, the only one who 
our hearts is safe with is the one who made our hearts. And it sounds good. I'm sure we could teach a class about it. You know what I'm saying? But what does that even mean to give God your heart? Mm. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So many of us, sis. So many of us. And like I said, I think, and you're right. I love that you said that point of like, we hope that it brings us back to God. You know what I mean? When it, when those idols fall, when we, when we fall, because when that fall happens, especially when we put something or someone in that place, let me tell you something. Okay, there's not always a bounce back, right? We pray to God that there's a bounce back. But when there is, that's why I said that's the mercy and testament of, 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 of our creator's love of us, of Allah's his love of us. Of us. So um, that was a powerful statement that you that you said right there. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about I'm sorry. That's my joint. Like, girl. Well, I knew that's what I was going to come up. I just knew it. Oh, my gosh. No, because... As a, you know, like I need to hear a little bit of history of it, but let me just say, like, I'm sorry has an opening line to the audience, and it's and, and correct me if I'm wrong, right? But um, you might, and you, if you want to sing it, you can't. But um, I'm sorry that hurting you was part of my legacy, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you met me broken. Mm -hmm. You want to sing it real quick? I'm gonna sing a little bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry hurting you was part of my legacy And I'm sorry that you met me broken applied this to a lot of my relationships so <laughs> mm. 
let's 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 talk about it a little bit. Um, let's talk about it a little bit. So I'm sorry that hurting you was part of my legacy. Tell me, talk to me, sis. Mm. Yeah, I think that when we, um, I, I wrote that song about my marriage ending and I did, um, <laughs> I had a long talk with my um, ex before I released it. I mean, we've been divorced for five years um, and I just released it in uh, September. So I talked to him before, cause, cause I know like I'm saying a lot, you know what I mean? <laughs> But um, and he was like, "Listen, it's hey, you gotta do what you gotta do." But um, yeah, like I think when we break up with people, yeah, it's real easy to be like, "Oh, he did this to me. He did this to me." And honestly, I did a lot of that while I was married. Yeah, he did this to me. He did this to me. He did this to me. I wasn't talking about where I was at and the hurt that I caused and the hurt that I bought. You know what I'm saying? And so I had to learn. Um, that in order for me to like truly heal, I had to keep it a buck with Drea. Mm -hmm. What did you do? What hurt did you cause? And what actions did you take to try to rectify that? Mm -hmm. And so I mean that. That wasn't like sarcasm. That was like, yo, I I hate knowing that I hurt you. Like, I don't care what you go through. With somebody that you were married to, I don't care what they what the, what you think they did to you or vice versa. You don't marry somebody that you don't love. Like you don't get married to get divorced. You don't you don't give somebody all of you. You don't you don't birth uh, five babies just to break up with somebody because that that's not what I wanted to do. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So like to know that I I hurt I caused him hurt. Um, mm -hmm. And it took me a while to come to that point because I was like, I was bitter. I was hurt about whatever. It took me a while to like look at myself. Mm. And so I think the essence of apologizing to somebody is owning your stuff. Yeah. I don't want to cut on your podcast, but I do because, <laughs> but owning, owning your stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Own, like you can't apologize, but I'm sorry, but you know, I was mad because you did it. That's not an apology. Right. And, and to me, that first line is that acknowledgement of what I caused. Mm. Mm. For the rest of my life, I don't care how much I've tried to fix whatever, for the rest of my life, I'm not saying that I have to reduce myself to, oh, you hurt this person. You know, I'm not saying I got to reduce myself, but that is, that will forever be a part of my story. Right. And right. That's sad. And I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's like so many of us struggle with getting to that place, Drea. You know, we talk about our relationships and our hurt. We, we harp on our hurt for so long to get to that place. And you said, I'm sorry that you met me broken. I'm sorry you can't see past my flaws. You know, now, those opening lines is something real serious, right? Something real serious. So how do we, Drea, contribute to a legacy of hurting one another? I mean, um, where, like, you know, our ownership and hurting one another, um, how do we take that ownership in it? And, you know, where do you feel like we go wrong with it? 
I think it's easier to blame other people for things. It's it's easier. It's it's so easy to to make somebody else responsible for a burden. It's easy to to uh, assign a debt to someone else that you know you owe. That's easy. Mm-hmm. But the real work and the real challenge and the real glory comes with practicing truth with yourself. You know, um, it's another scripture. <laughs> I'll do this slide. I feel bad every time I say this, but um, yeah, you should know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Like that scripture has a totally different context, but I always apply that to my life. Like it's the truth that makes you free. And it's not the truth that you try to convince other people about themselves that you think you your enlightened woke self can see that nobody else can see. That's not the truth that I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you can look in your mirror and say, you know what, I'm a hot mess. That's that's the beginning of your freedom. Like when you can look at yourself and see the chains on yourself and know that there's a key to those chains hanging around your neck or, or, or you got the key in your pocket but you refuse to set yourself free because you refused. To me, that key is the truth. So I think it's, it's it's a lot to just be like, you know what? Nobody else can fix this but me. Nobody else can get it. My, nobody else can get Drea together but Drea. You know, nobody else can make things right, can pay Drea's debt but me. So that, yeah, you got to be honest with yourself. You know, it's, it, it, and then sometimes we confess things to other people. And let me feel good about that. And we're in this, and that's a conversation, and it's still separate. It's still like outward. And I, I still don't think that that's really doing the work. I think the work has to be done when nobody else is looking. What do you do when you are in alone, when all of our devices are turned off? Um, and really, it's, it's if you're if you're praying and you make a salat and your and your head is on the on the um, earth. I'm I'm still learning so much about like how to pray with uh, what everything means. And even practicing that in my in my life, but I know somebody told me that when you have your head like on the on the ground on the earth, you actually can take that time to make a dua. Yeah, you actually can like like God. Listen, I just I'm a mess. So when I tell you when I go <laughs> every time I do that, which y'all pray for me because I need to I need to pray more. But when I do, um, I'm I'm down there for like a minute because I'm I'm like. To me, that's my time to be honest. And that's my time to like keep it a buck. With not just God, but like with myself too. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta take ownership. Mm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dre. Like I feel like I'll be forgetting I'm on a podcast. I feel like we're just having a conversation. Right. So <laughs> honestly, like you're speaking to like a lot of where I just am, you know, in life. And um, that's kind of why I want us to start here. Mm-hmm. in this really authentic place mm-hmm. sister so i appreciate you but mm-hmm. um i wanted to just talk about for a moment um us you know as black men and black women and our legacy and our cycles that sometimes how we show up in our relationships you know we do have a history you know, although this is not our narrative, we don't have to claim this narrative, but if we're honest, we do have a history just historically of mistrust and even some misunderstandings amongst us as a people due, due to the horrendous crimes that have been done to us. 
Um, we've had to endure, you know, societal pressures from racial and economic oppression that has impacted our relationships and our ability to connect with one another. Right? Um, what are some ways, and just in your opinion, and just in a lot of the healing work that you do, that we as a people can move towards forgiveness towards one another? Our forgiveness is, is special, is deeper as a people. Again, we can't. I mean, the first step is forgiving ourselves. The first step is looking at ourselves and having grace with ourselves and, and forgiving ourselves. And I think that as we as we strengthen and deepen our spiritual relationships with self, but but more than that, greater than that, ultimately with God, as we like strengthen that relationship, then I think that um, you know, then we will start to see ourselves through the lens of God. And then I'll be when I see myself the way God sees me, um, then I can see you the way God sees you. And so then it's not like I'm just I, I'm not loving you from my just merely from the from the capability of love that, that, that I possess. But I'm allowing the spirit of God, the spirit of love to love you through me. You know what I'm saying? It's not just me because my love is not enough. And I, and I feel like forgiveness to me is attached to love, I think, because forgiveness is about, you know, like when, you, when they say like, uh, you, like uh, I'll talk about student loans, you know, and, and when they, they say they're going to forgive a loan, then they basically erase the debt. So they're basically telling you that, you know, you owe me something. You did it. You racked up these bills and you didn't pay it. But you know what? I'm going I'm to let it go. I'm going to let you rock. You know what I'm saying? And so I, so that's how I understand forgiveness. And I can't do that outside of the scope of God's love. I, I cannot do that because me, I can hold a grudge. I'm not saying that with pride at all. Yeah. But I, I can hold a grudge. But I think um, if I see you as a worthy recipient of the grace and love and mercy of God, just like I see myself. I mean, what does it mean to want for your brother that what, what you want for yourself? Do you want forgiveness for yourself? So you should want forgiveness for that person. Right. Your sister, for your for your black sister. You know what I mean? And that's what I, what I pray for. I know we talk about forgiveness, but I really pray for grace. Mm. I, I prefer that word because I because we all need it. And to me, forgiveness is is like grace. Because right. I deserve the forgiveness, but it's really about you releasing something so that your heart, you're releasing that debt, if you will, so that your heart will be lighter and so that you can experience more peace and you can hear God better and you can be a better vessel. Hmm. That's really powerful. So you pray for grace. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Jay, I, I definitely um, appreciate you know, the dialogue in your journey. I wanted to talk a little bit about Mama Please, if that's okay. I know that you just released Mama Please and you did it with, um, now correct me if I'm wrong, but Brother Rami, which is the director of E-Man. Yes. Chicago, okay. Yeah. So I didn't even know he was an artist, y'all. I just, is that, he's always been? You know what, Rami is a writer. He's He's always been a writer. Now, I don't know how, how much he shared that with the public. And I don't know if he saw himself as a writer of music, but he is a writer. And I mean, if you consider writing art, then he's always been an artist. Yeah, yeah. 
He's a dope, he's a dope activist. He's done some serious stuff for our community. So we shout out to him. But tell me a little bit about Mama, please, and tell me the story. Um, because there's a law that you guys are trying to pass. In, is it Buffalo? Or is it? Just tell me a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, so we attached, um, you know, Cario's Law to this song because it's it's just it just makes sense to do it. And when Rami wrote it, um, Rami wanted to uplift, you know, Cario's Law. We wanted to uplift a national call to Cario's Law because it's something that we all need. Um, Cario Horn, really, really briefly, she's um, from Buffalo, New York, where where I live. I'm born. I was born and raised. Um, 14 years ago, um, she was a police officer, and she had worked, um, you know, 19 about 19 years um, on the force. And the guy was, um, they were in the process of arresting a man, and um, there were like 18 officers there, and she was one of them. And he had already been handcuffed in the house, and then they brought him outside and then one officer was choking him. So she proceeded to intervene to stop him from choking uh, Neil Mack and consequently she saved his life. Um, so she is our shero, um, and but then she lost her job and she lost her pension as well. And so- As a result of that. As, as a result of that. And still, she's been fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting for 14 years. Many people have supported the effort. Um, many people have lifted her up. Um, she's had, she's gone through several different lawyers. She's gone through just, she's just gone through a lot over the last 14 years. Um, but um, when George Floyd's murder, we all became witnesses of that public lynching. Um, it, it tore her apart. Like she made this video, she was crying so hard um, and then people were sharing the video and I hadn't even seen that video yet. I heard about George Floyd and I was just like, we have an officer right here who intervened. Like we need to work on a law and it should be in her name. And I didn't necessarily think I was inventing something new, but I certainly hadn't heard about Carol's law before. And then I learned that she had already wrote the law back in 2016 mm. and publicized it on her, on her personal website back in 2016. Okay. So he was just fighting. So then um, some people, you know, organized, um, you know, around the effort of, of, of taking, taking steps to actually get that law passed, you know, in our city. So um, our city has passed, well, our common council voted to have a version of the, of, of the law, but it's not what, it's not exactly what she wrote as she wrote it. So there will need to be amendments if it is truly to be Cario's law. And okay. um, I, you know, we, we just want to push to, everybody needs a Cario law. And if I could just briefly just tell you um, the first point, and you could read this at carioslaw.com. Um, and so the section one is the duty to intervene when officers pose imminent threat to citizens. Um, section two is accountability for officers neglecting to intervene. Um, Section three is protection for officers who do intervene. Mm -hmm. Section four is accountability for falsifying reports. Um, five, it impacts policy regarding termination and department funding. And section six is, is restorative justice for retaliation of whistleblowers. So all six points are so crucial and so important. And there are, there's just a, a people, there's a, um, people 
have come together to just fight to get this law passed. And honestly, we're not going to stop until this goes to a federal level. Everybody needs a carry law. George Absolutely. Floyd, and this is Cario's words, George Floyd needed a carry law. And it's, it is sad that you need a law to do what's right. If you don't do what's right, this law will make it so that people will be, officers can be punished, you know, and arrested and do jail time and pay fines for, for not doing it. It's sad that you that you need this to to do what what Carol did out of the goodness of her heart, but that's mm. what. Mm. Wow! So it's called the songs called Mama Please, and it's written for to our sister. It was Rami wrote that. He wrote all the songs. We have an album coming out. If I may, yeah, go ahead. October twenty third, our album is coming out. It's called This Love Thing. Okay. So um, it's going to be, we have a website, thislovething.com, mm -hmm. and we're on Instagram at thislovethingproject and also Facebook. So, um, and you can just follow me too. I'm going to be posting about it um, mostly next week. So, but basically, Rami wrote every song on the album. Um, he wrote the, the words. And then, um, so he just, he took it as, the mama please like he really was writing and speaking to like this global grief you know this 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 global collective grief that we're all experiencing um and 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 what hearing those words meant to him and what it evoked within him and should have evoked within all of us and really it's just like this deeper call for for action and um the song is interesting because we have um children Actually, all my children are on the song. They recorded. I'm so happy that they were able to be a part. But um, they're all they all came to the studio along with some other children, um, and they're also all five of my children are in the video as well. But um, it's interesting to hear a child say, "Mama, please, I can't breathe. Get these demons off of me." They got their knee on my neck. We're on a ledge, and then the mama replies, "Baby, come home. Don't fear their death." You know, and so. It's just interesting to hear the kids like towards the end of the song, they're singing that. And it's like it's eerie, but it also offers some type of hope at in you know, in, in the yeah. same way. Yeah. So yeah. Powerful. Powerful. Yeah. I was, I was extremely moved when I saw and I saw the video, incredible work done um, by you and Rami. So shout out to him and you for bringing that collective call to action and, and making us not forget being people that are constantly conscious and this movement towards um, empowering our people and making sure that um, the oppression and the onslaught against our people stops and ends now. So I appreciate you, sister, for that work that you're doing, the intentional work. So, um, mashallah, we are we are um, at the end of this podcast, Sister Dre. I do I do just hope you could close those out with something, whatever speaks to you. Um, for this podcast, but I do, before you do that, I do want to thank everybody for coming on to our season opening. We will be on every week thereafter, um, once it's a holiday or something like that, but um, we will continue on next week with um, Shahid Yasir. He's going to be focusing on redemption. It's our forgiveness and redemption series, and he will be focusing on his episodes called From Prison to Prayer, um, and we have um, some dynamic episodes thereafter coming, um, How to Forgive um, an ex after divorce and who has an um, ex-wife and an ex-husband coming to the couch to have a very healing discussion thereafter. So you don't want to miss what's coming up. 
I appreciate honoring you. Thank you, Sister Drea. I'm going to come out of this stream. Don't forget to support the Don't Lose Woman podcast. We do have merchandise you can see on our page. Enjoy our Sister Drea. I love and honor you, Sister. Continue to do your healing work. May Let I me unlock the door. I'm so sorry. I got to unlock the door. <laughs> What happens on the impromptu podcast? But please, you guys, for the Dope Muslim podcast and our merchandise, we're there. Um, it's on Teesprings. I think my sister posted the link. All right, Drayna Noor, I honor. Thank you, sister. Please take the floor. Okay, I'm gonna close out with this song. Um, it is called um, "Fill My Cup, Lord." I feel like we talked about um, a lot of heavy things today, and. I just want to leave us with a prayer that we all can pray. I want oh, 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 oh
Here's a nightclub, Lord. Oh God, I searched all over. Here's a mad of love Giving it away so many times But here's a mad cup of Please fill it up And make